Chapter forty three, part two of Felix Holt, the Radical. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shi Pingling. Felix Holt, the Radical, by George Eliot. Chapter forty three, part two. The poor woman was not sorry to have the prospect of rest and food, especially for the orphan child, of whom she was tenderly careful. Like many women who appear to others to have a masculine decisiveness of tone, and to themselves to have a masculine force of mind, and who, coming to severe collision with sons, arrived at the masterful stage, she had the maternal cord vibrating strongly within her toward all tiny children. And when she saw Dominic pick up Job and hoist him on his arm for a little while by way of making acquaintance, she regarded him with an approval which she had not thought it possible to extend to a foreigner. Since Dominic was going, Harry and old Mr. Transome chose to follow. Uncle Lincoln shook hands and turned off across the grass, and thus Esther was left alone with Harold. But there was a new consciousness between them. Harold's quick perception was least likely to be slow in seizing indications of anything that might affect his position with regard to Esther. Some time before, his jealousy had been awakened to the possibility that before she had known him, she had been deeply interested in someone else jealousy of all sorts whether for our fortune or our love is ready at combinations and likely even to outstrip the fact and esther's renewed confusion united with her silence about felix which now first seemed noteworthy and with mrs holt's graphic details as to her walking with him and letting him sit by her before all the town were grounds not merely for a suspicion but for a conclusion in harold's mind the effect of this which he at once regarded as a discovery was rather different from what esther had anticipated it seemed to him that felix was the least formidable person that he could have found as an object of interest antecedent to himself a young workman who had got himself thrown into prison whatever recommendations he might have had for a girl at a romantic age in the dreariness of descending society at treby could hardly be considered by harold in the light of arrival esther was too clever and tasteful a woman to make a ballad heroine of herself by bestowing her beauty and her lands on this lowly lover Besides, Harold cherished the belief that, at the present time, Esther was more wisely disposed to bestow these things on another lover in every way eligible. But in two directions this discovery had a determining effect on him. His curiosity was stirred to know exactly what the relation with Felix had been, and he was solicitous that his behavior with regard to this young man should be such as to enhance his own merit in esther's eyes at the same time he was not inclined to any euphemisms that would seem to bring felix into the list with himself 
naturally when they were left alone it was harold who spoke first i should think there's a good deal of worth in this young fellow this halt notwithstanding the mistakes he has made a little queer and conceited perhaps but that is usually the case with men of his class when they are at all superior to their fellows felix holt is a highly cultivated man he is not at all conceited said esther the different kinds of pride within her were coalescing now she was aware that there had been a betrayal ah said harold not quite liking the tone of this answer this eccentricity is a sort of fanaticism then this giving up being a doctor on horseback as the old woman calls it and taking to let me see watchmaking isn't it if it is eccentricity to be very much better than other men he is certainly eccentric and fanatical too if it is fanatical to renounce all small selfish motives for the sake of a great and unselfish one i never knew what nobleness of character really was before i knew felix holt it seemed to esther as if in the excitement of this moment her own words were bringing her a clearer revelation god bless me said harold in a tone of surprise yet thorough belief and looking in esther's face i wish you had talked to me about this before esther at that moment looked perfectly beautiful with an expression which harold had never hitherto seen all the confusion which had depended on personal feeling had given way before the sense that she had to speak the truth about the man whom she felt to be admirable i think i didn't see the meaning of anything fine i didn't even see the value of my father's character until i had been taught a little by hearing what felix holt said and seeing that his life was like his words harold looked and listened and felt his slight jealousy allayed rather than heightened this is not like love he said to himself with some satisfaction with all due regard to harold transome he was one of those men who are liable to make the greater mistakes about a particular woman's feelings because they pique themselves on a power of interpretation derived from much experience experience is enlightening but with a difference experiments on live animals may go on for a long period and yet the fauna on which they are made may be limited there may be a passion in the mind of a woman which precipitates her not along the path of easy beguilement but into a great leap away from it harold's experience had not taught him this and esther's enthusiasm about felix holt did not seem to him to be dangerous he is quite an apostolic sort of fellow then was the self-quieting answer he gave to her last words he didn't look like that but i had only a short interview with him and i was given to understand that he refused to see me in prison i believe he's not very well inclined toward me but you saw a great deal of him i suppose and your testimony to any one is enough for me said harold lowering his voice rather tenderly now i know what your opinion is i shall spare no effort on behalf of such a young man in fact i had come to the same resolution before but your wish would make difficult things easy after that energetic speech of esther's as often happens 
the tears had just suffused her eyes it was nothing more than might have been expected in a tender-hearted woman considering felix holt's circumstances and the tears only made more lovely the look with which she met harold's when he spoke so kindly she felt pleased with him she was open to the fallacious delight of being assured that she had power over him to make him do what she liked and quite forgot the many impressions which had convinced her that harold had a padded yoke ready for the neck of every man woman and child that depended on him after a short silence they were getting near the stone gateway and harold said with an air of intimate consultation what could we do for this young man supposing he were let off i shall send a letter with fifty pounds to the old woman to-morrow i ought to have done it before but it really slipped my memory amongst the many things that have occupied me lately but this young man what do you think would be the best thing we could do for him if he gets at large again he should be put in a position where his qualities could be more telling esther was recovering her liveliness a little and was disposed to encourage it for the sake of veiling other feelings about which she felt renewed reticence now that the overpowering inference of her enthusiasm was past she was rather wickedly amused and scornful at harold's misconceptions and ill-placed intentions of patronage you are hopelessly in the dark she said with a light laugh and a toss of her head what would you offer felix holt a place in the exercise you might as well think of offering it to john the baptist felix has chosen his lot he means always to be a poor man means yes said harold slightly piqued but what a man means usually depends on what happens i mean to be a commoner but a peerage might present itself under acceptable circumstances oh there's no sum in proportion to be done there said esther again gaily as you are to a peerage so is not felix holt to any offer of advantage that you could imagine for him you must think him fit for any position the first in the county no i don't said esther shaking her head mischievously i think him too high for it i see you can be ardent in your admiration yes it is my champagne you know i don't like the other kind that would be satisfactory if one were sure of getting your admiration said harold leading her up to the terrace and amongst the crocuses from whence they had a fine view of the park and river they stood still near the east parapet and saw the dash of light on the water and the penciled shadows of the trees on the grassy lawn would it do as well to admire you instead of being worthy to be admired said harold turning his eyes from that landscape to esther's face it would be a thing to be put up with said esther smiling at him rather roguishly but you are not in that state of self-despair well i am conscious of not having those severe virtues that you have been praising that is true you are quite in another genre a woman would not find me a tragic hero oh no she must dress for general comedy such as your mother once described to me where the most thrilling event is the drawing of a handsome cheque you are a naughty fairy said harold 
daring to press esther's hand a little more closely to him and drawing her down this eastern steps into the pleasure ground as if he were unwilling to give up the conversation confess that you are disgusted with my want of romance i shall not confess to being disgusted i shall ask you to confess that you are not a romantic figure i am a little too stout for romance yes at least you must find security for not getting stouter and i don't look languishing enough oh yes rather too much so at a fine cigar and i am not in danger of committing suicide no you are a widower harold did not reply immediately to this last thrust of esther's she had uttered it with innocent thoughtlessness from the playful suggestions of the moment but it was a fact that harold's previous married life had entered strongly in her impressions about him the presence of harry made it inevitable harold took this illusion of esther's as an indication that his quality of widower was a point that made against him and after a brief silence he said in an altered more serious tone you don't suppose i hope that any other woman has ever held the place that you could hold in my life esther began to tremble a little as she always did when the love talk between them seemed getting serious she only gave the rather stumbling answer how so harry's mother had been a slave was bought in fact it was impossible for harold to preconceive the effect this had on esther his natural disqualification for judging of a girl's feelings was heightened by the blinding effect of an exclusive object which was to assure her that her own place was peculiar and supreme hitherto esther's acquaintance with oriental love was derived chiefly from byronic poems and this had not sufficed to adjust her mind to a new story where the gyre concerned was giving her his arm she was unable to speak and harold went on though i'm close on thirty-five i never met with a woman at all like you before there are new eras in one's life that are equivalent to youth are something better than youth i was never an aspirant till i knew you esther was still silent not that i dare to call myself that i'm not so confident a personage as you imagined i am necessarily in a painful position for a man who has any feeling here at last harold had stirred the right fibre esther's generosity seized at once the whole meaning implied in that last sentence she had a fine sensibility to the line at which flirtation must cease and she was now pale and shaken with feelings she had not yet defined for herself do not let us speak of difficult things any more now she said with gentle seriousness i am come into a new world of late and have to learn life all over again let us go in i must see poor mrs holt again and my little friend job she paused at the glass door that opened on the terrace and entered there while harold went round to the stables when esther had been upstairs and descended again into the large entrance hall she found its stony capaciousness made lively by human figures extremely unlike the statues 
since harry insisted on playing with job again mrs holt and her orphan after dining had just been brought to this delightful scene for a game at hide-and-seek and for exhibiting the climbing powers of the two pet squirrels mrs holt sat on a stool in singular relief against the pedestal of the apollo while dominique and denner otherwise mrs hicks bore her company harry in his bright red and purple flitted about like a great tropic birds after the sparrow-tailed job who hid himself with much intelligence behind the scaliola pillars and the pedestals while one of the squirrels perched itself on the head of the tallest statue and the other was already peeping down from among the heavy stuccoed angels on the ceiling near the summit of a pillar mrs holt held on her lap a basket filled with good things for job and seemed much soothed by pleasant company and excellent treatment as esther descending softly and unobserved leaned over the stone banisters and looked at the scene for a minute or two she saw that mrs holt's attention having been directed to the squirrel which had scampered on to the head of the silenus carrying the infant bacchus had been drawn downward to the tiny babe looked at with so much affection by the rather ugly and hairy gentleman of whom she nevertheless spoke with reserve as of one who possibly belonged to the transom family it's most pretty to see its little limbs and the gentleman holding it i should think he was amiable by his look but it was odd he should have his likeness took without any clothes was he transom by name mrs holt suspected that there might be a mild madness in the family denner peering and smiling quietly was about to reply when she was prevented by the appearance of old mr transom who since his walk had been having forty winks on the sofa in the library and now came out to look for harry he had doffed his fur cap and cloak but in lying down to sleep he had thrown over his shoulders a soft oriental scarf which harold had given him and this still hung over his scanty white hair and down to his knees held fast by his wooden-looking arms and laxly clasped hands which fell in front of him this singular appearance of an undoubted transom fitted exactly into mrs holt's thought at the moment it lay in the probabilities of things that gentry's intellects should be peculiar since they had not to get their own living the good lord might have economized in their case that common sense which others were so much more in need of and in the shuffling figure before her she saw a descendant of the gentleman who had chosen to be represented without his clothes all the more eccentric where there were the means of buying the best but these oddities said nothing in great folks who were powerful in high quarters all the same and mrs holt rose and courtesied with a proud respect precisely as she would have done if mr transome had looked as wise as lord burleigh i hope i'm in no way taking the liberty sir she began while the old gentleman looked at her with bland feebleness i'm not that woman to sit anywhere out of my own home without inviting and pressing to but i was brought here to wait because the little gentleman wanted to play with the orphan child 
very glad my good woman sit down sit down said mr transome nodding and smiling between his clauses nice little boy your grandchild indeed sir no said mrs holt continuing to stand quite apart from any awe of mr transome sitting down she felt would be a too great familiarity with her own pathetic importance on this extra and unlooked-for occasion it's not me has any grandchild nor ever shall have though most fit but with my only son saying he'll never be married and in prison besides and some saying he'll be transported you may see yourself though a gentleman as there isn't much chance of my having grandchildren of my own and this is old master tudge's grandchild as my own felix took to for pity because he was sickly and clammed and i was no ways against it being of a tender heart for i am a widow myself and my son felix though big is fatherless and i know my duty in consequence and it's to be wished sir as others should know it as are more in power and live in great houses and can ride in a carriage where they will and if you are the gentleman as is the head of everything and it's not to be thought you'd give up to your son as a poor widow's being forced to do it behooves you to take the part of them as are deserving for the bible says gray hairs should speak yes yes poor woman what shall i say said old mr transome feeling himself scolded and as usual desirous of mollifying displeasure sir i can tell you what to say fast enough for it's what i should say myself if i could get to speak to the king for i've asked them that know and they say it's the truth both out of the bible and in as the king can pardon anything and anybody and judging by his countenance on the new signs and the talk there was a while ago about his being the people's friend as the minister once said it from the very pulpit if there's any meaning in words he'll do the right thing by me and my son if he's asked proper yes a very good man you'll do anything right said mr transome whose own ideas about the king just then were somewhat misty consisting chiefly in the broken reminiscences of george the third i'll ask him anything you like he added with a pressing desire to satisfy mrs holt who alarmed him slightly then sir if you'll go in your carriage and say this young man felix holt by name as his father was known the country round and his mother most respectable he never meant harm to anybody and so far from bloody murder and fighting would part with his victual to them that needed it more and if you'll get other gentlemen to say the same and if they are not satisfied to inquire i'll not believe but what the king would let my son out of prison or if it's true he must stand his trial the king would take care no mischief happened to him i've got my senses and i'll never believe as in a country where there is a god above and a king below the right thing can be done if great people was willing to do it mrs holt like all orators had waxed louder and more energetic 
ceasing to propel her arguments and being propelled by them poor old mr transome getting more and more frightened at this severe-spoken woman who had the horrible possibility to his mind of being a novelty that was to become permanent seemed to be fascinated by fear and stood helplessly forgetful that if he liked he might turn round and walk away little harry alive to anything that had relation to gapa had paused in his game and discerning what he thought a hostile aspect in this naughty black old woman rushed toward her and proceeded first to beat her with his mimic jockey's whip and then suspecting that her bombazine was not sensitive to set his teeth in her arm while dominic rebuked him and pulled him off nimrod began to bark anxiously and the scene was become alarming even to the squirrels which scrambled as far off as possible esther who had been waiting for an opportunity of intervention now came up to mrs holt to speak some soothing words and old mr transome seeing a sufficient screen between himself and his formidable suppliant at last gathered courage to turn round and shuffle away with unusual swiftness into the library dear mrs holt said esther do rest comforted i assure you you have done the utmost that can be done by your words your visit has not been thrown away see how the children have enjoyed it i saw little job actually laughing i think i never saw him do more than smile before then turning round to dominic she said will the buggy come round to this door this hint was sufficient dominic went to see if the vehicle was ready and denner remarking that mrs holt would like to mount it in the inner court invited her to go back into the housekeeper's room but there was a fresh resistance raised in harry by the threatened departure of job who had seemed an invaluable addition to the menagerie of tamed creatures and it was barely in time that esther had the relief of seeing the entrance hall cleared so as to prevent any further encounter of mrs holt with harold who was now coming up the flight of steps at the entrance End of chapter 43, part 2 Recording by Shi Pingling Chapter 44 of Felix Halt, The Radical This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Shi Pingling Felix Holt, The Radical by George Eliot Chapter 44 I am sick at heart. The eye of day, the insistent summer noon, seems pitiless, shining in all the barren crevices of weary life, leaving no shade, no dark, where I may dream that hidden waters lie. Shortly after Mrs. Holt's striking presentation of herself at Transom Court, Esther went on a second visit to her father. The Longford Assizes were approaching. It was expected that in about ten days Felix Holt's trial would come on, and some hints in her father's letters had given Esther the impression that he was taking a melancholy view of the result. 
Harold Transome had once or twice mentioned the subject with a facile hopefulness as to the young fellow's coming off easily, which, in her anxious mind, was not a counterpoise to disquieting suggestions, and she had not chosen to introduce another conversation about Felix Holt by questioning Harold concerning the probabilities he relied on. Since those moments on the terrace, Harold had daily become more of the solicitous and indirectly beseeching lover, and Esther, from the very fact that she was weighed on by thoughts that were painfully bewildering to her, by thoughts which, in their newness to her young mind, seemed to shake her belief that life could be anything else than a compromise with things repugnant to the moral taste, had become more passive to his attentions at the very time that she had begun to feel more profoundly that in accepting Harold Transome she left the high mountain air, the passionate serenity of perfect love forever behind her, and must adjust her wishes to a life of middling delights, overhung with the languorous haziness of motiveless ease, where poetry was only literature and the fine ideas had to be taken down from the shelves of the library when her husband's back was turned. But it seemed as if all the outward conditions concurred, along with her generous sympathy for the Transomses, and with those native tendencies against which she had once begun to struggle, to make this middling lot the best she could attend to. She was in this half-sad, half-satisfied resignation to something like what is called worldly wisdom when she went to see her father and learned what she could from him about felix the little minister was much depressed unable to resign himself to the dread which had begun to haunt him that felix might have to endure the odious penalty of transportation for the manslaughter which was the offence that no evidence in his favour could disprove I had been encouraged by the assurances of men instructed in this regard, said Mr. Leon, while Esther sat on the stool near him and listened anxiously, that though he were pronounced guilty in regard to this deed, whereunto he hath calamitously fallen, yet that a judge mildly disposed, and with a due sense of that invisible activity of the soul whereby the deeds which are the same in outward appearance and effect yet differ as the knife stroke of the surgeon even though it kill differs from the knife stroke of a wanton mutilator might use his discretion in tempering the punishment so that it would not be very evil to bear but now it is said that the judge who comes is a severe man and one nourishing a prejudice against the bolder spirits who stand not in the old paths i'm going to be present at the trial father said esther who was preparing the way to express a wish which she was timid about even with her father i mentioned to mrs transome that i should like to do so and she said that she used in old days always to attend the assizes and that she would take me you will be there father Surely I shall be there, having been summoned to bear witness to Felix's character, and to his having uttered remonstrances and warnings long beforehand, whereby he proved himself an enemy to riot. In our years, who know him, 
it sounds strangely that aught else should be credible but he hath few to speak for him though i trust that mr harold transome's testimony will go far if as you say he is disposed to set aside minor regards and not to speak the truth grudgingly and reluctantly for the very truth hath a colour from the disposition of the utterer he is kind he is capable of being generous said esther it is well for i verily believe that evil-minded men have been at work against felix the duffield watchman hath written continually in allusion to him as one of those mischievous men who seek to elevate themselves through the dishonour of their party and as one of those who go not heart and soul with the needs of the people but seek only to get a hearing for themselves by raising their voices in crotchety discord it is these things that cause me heaviness of spirit the dark secret of this young man's lot is a cross i carry daily father said esther timidly while the eyes of both were filling with tears i should like to see him again before his trial my eye will you ask him will you take me the minister raised his suffused eyes to hers and did not speak for a moment or two a new thought had visited him but his delicate tenderness shrank even from an inward inquiry that was too curious that seemed like an effort to peep at sacred secrets i see not against it my dear child if you arrived early enough and would take the elderly lady into your confidence so that you might descend from the carriage at some suitable place the house of the independent minister for example where i could meet and accompany you i would forewarn felix who would doubtless delight to see your face again seeing that he may go away and be as it were buried from you even though it may be only in prison and not this was too much for esther she threw her arms round her father's neck and sobbed like a child it was an unspeakable relief to her after all the pent-up stifling experience all the inward incommunicable debate of the last few weeks the old man was deeply moved too and held his arm close round the dear child praying silently no word was spoken for some minutes till esther raised herself dried her eyes and with an action that seemed playful though there was no smile on her face pressed her handkerchief against her father's cheeks then when she had put her hand in his he said solemnly tis a great and mysterious gift this cleaning of the heart my esther whereby it hath often seemed to me that even in the very moment of suffering our souls have the keenest foretaste of heaven i speak not lightly but as one who hath endured and tis a strange truth that only in the agony of parting we look into the depths of love so the interview ended without any question from mr leon concerning what esther contemplated as the ultimate arrangement between herself and the transomses after this conversation which showed him that what happened to felix touched esther more closely than he had supposed the minister felt no impulse to raise the images of a future so unlike anything that felix would share and esther would have been unable to answer any such questions 
the successive weeks instead of bringing her nearer to clearness and decision had only brought that state of disenchantment belonging to the actual presence of things which have long dwelt in the imagination with all the factitious charms of arbitrary arrangement her imaginary mansion had not been inhabited just as transome court was her imaginary fortune had not been attended with circumstances which she was unable to sweep away she herself in her utopia had never been what she was now a woman whose heart was divided and oppressed the first spontaneous offering of her woman's devotion the first great inspiration of her life was a sort of vanished ecstasy which had left its wounds it seemed to her a cruel misfortune of her young life that her best feeling her most precious dependence had been called forth just where the conditions were hardest and that all the easy invitations of circumstance were toward something which that precious consecration of her longing had made a moral descent for her it was characteristic of her that she scarcely at all entertained the alternative of such a compromise as would have given her the larger portion of the fortune to which she had a legal claim and yet have satisfied her sympathy by leaving the transoms in possession of their old home her domestication with this family had brought them into the foreground of her imagination the gradual wooing of harold had acted on her with a constant immediate inference that predominated over all indefinite prospects and a solitary elevation to wealth which out of utopia she had no notion how she should manage looked as chill and dreary as the offer of dignities in an unknown country in the ages since adam's marriage it has been good for some men to be alone and for some women also but esther was not one of these women she was intensely of the feminine type virgin neither toward the saint nor the angel she was a fair divided excellence whose fullness of perfection must be in marriage and like all youthful creatures she felt as if the present conditions of choice were final it belonged to the freshness of her heart that having had her emotions strongly stirred by real objects she never speculated on possible relations yet to come it seemed to her that she stood at the first and last parting of the ways and in one sense she was under no illusion it is only in that freshness of our time that the choice is possible which gives unity to life and makes the memory a temple where all relics and all votive offerings all worship and all grateful joy are an unbroken history sanctified by one religion End of chapter forty four recording by shi ping ling